Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. This week we are going to be discussing we are going to be discussing A Kingdom of Flesh and Fire by Jennifer L. Armentrout. It is the second book in the Blood and Ash series. And um, the newest book is going to be coming out today. It's called A Crown of Gilded Bones. So you should definitely go get a copy. It's supposed to be amazing. This episode will be an after dark episode. So there will be cursing as well as uh, talk about sex. So prepare yourselves for that. And I will be starting with our characters and locations and Marissa will do our plot this week. So a little bit more about Kieran. We met him in the last book, but only for a short period of time and we didn't learn a ton about him then. So luckily we get more of him in this book. He is a wolven who is bonded to Castile. They've been friends for many years. His father is Jasper, who is the representative for the wolven. And we also meet his sister, Vanetta or Netta, who lives in Spess's End. We meet Delano and Neil, Wolven, who are friendly to Poppy, and they helped her out in the last book, and they continue to be her friends in this book. We also meet Elijah. He is a strong supporter of Castile. While others question Castile's decision with Poppy, he says he will support him. We meet Alistair Davenwell. He's an older Wolven who is close to the royal family. He's the advisor to the king and queen. He's like an uncle to Castile. And Castile was actually engaged to his daughter at one point and then his niece at another point. He gives off a very friendly Victor-like air, but whenever he speaks with Poppy, he brings up a topic that will cause a problem. He is often accompanied by Emil, a fellow Wolven. We hear about Shay. Uh, We don't actually meet her since she is dead, but she comes up quite a bit in this book. She was Alistair's daughter. She and Castile were engaged, but she died when Malik rescued Castile. We see Lord Cheney. He's an Ascendant who comes looking for Poppy, and his actions help open her eyes to see how the Ascendant truly are. We meet Beckett. He is a young Wolven that Poppy heals after a bad accident. He is outgoing, and while he was wary of Poppy at first, she feels like they've built up a bit of a rapport. In terms of our locations, we spend most of the time at Spess's End. It's a city near the last Atlantean stronghold. Our characters spend a decent amount of time there before they travel on to Atlantia. While they're there, Poppy is exposed to more brutal truths about the Ascendant. We also get to travel through the Skotos Mountains. Um, So they travel through the mountains in order to get to Atlantia. It is protected by magical mist and the goddess Eos is said to sleep there. Marissa. Would you like to do the plot? Yes, I will do the plot. A Kingdom of Flesh and Fire picks up where from Blood and Ash left off with Castile's declaration at dinner in front of his people at New Haven that he and Poppy must return to Atlantia to marry. Poppy, still furious at his betrayal, refuses to marry him. And Castile's followers are confused by his declaration as the original plan was to ransom Poppy for the release of Castile's brother, Prince Malik, from the Queen of the Ascended. 
So when one of Cass's people insults and threatens to harm Poppy, Castile rips his heart out. Castile reveals that when he drank Poppy's blood in the last book, he discovered that she was not completely immortal and it had at least some Atlantean blood in her. He explains to Poppy that their marriage could be used to help unite both of them to achieve their cause. So his would be to free his brother from the ascended and hers would be to reunite with her brother Ian and to find freedom. But also they have the opportunity to help the humans and Solus escape the oppressive system that they live under as they're ruled by the ascended. And so Poppy cautiously agrees to his plan to be married. And so part of their plan will require convincing Alistair, who's like a, an uncle to Castile and advisor to his parents, that their engagement is real, which is slightly challenging because of Poppy's history with stabbing Cass and publicly rejecting him. Alistair speaks with Poppy and he reminds her of her former guard and father figure, Victor, and she attempts to explain uh, the circumstances between her and Castile in a way that will convince him of her affection while not denying their their history that they've had in the past. And so though he doesn't seem to entirely buy in to her explanation, Alistair does reveal that he is comforted to see Castile trying to move on romantically with someone after the loss of his daughter, Shay, who Castile was in love with until she died. Their plans to move on to Atlantia have been delayed up to this point by a winter storm. And another delay arrives in the form of Lord Cheney and Ascended and his royal guards who arrive in New Haven in search of the maiden. So Castile reveals himself to Lord Cheney as the Prince of Atlantia and the Dark One and declines to give him the maiden. And then chaos breaks loose in the village. So Poppy amidst the chaos is able to see truly how ruthless and bloodthirsty and awful the ascended really are and she joins the fight when a child is taken by one of the guards when lord cheney offers to release the child in exchange for her poppy drops her weapon and is knocked unconscious she wakes in a carriage with an injured lord cheney who succumbs to bloodlust and attacks poppy and she uses the dinner knife that she's been carrying to stab him repeatedly castile arrives and rescues her takes her back to the village and uses his blood to heal her injuries even though she isn't mortally wounded and then poppy uses her ability to ease the pain of the villagers who will allow it and so they make arrangements to leave atlantia shortly thereafter with the villagers led by elijah to follow as soon as they're able so poppy castile kieran and two others make for spessa's end the atlantean territory when they arrive at Spessa's End, Poppy expects to see a town that is left only in remains from the damage that the Ascendant wreaked on the area years ago. And she's surprised to learn that the Atlanteans have been rebuilding and reclaimed the land for themselves. Castile is warmly welcomed back to Spessa's End, though his people remain suspicious of Poppy. Though Poppy is still angry and frustrated with Castile for his betrayal, she is able to recognize that her feelings for him still exist and continue to grow. She feels conflicted and guilty about this as it feels like a betrayal to those she cared for who were harmed as a consequence of his actions. The morning after they arrive in Spess's end, Poppy wakes basically laying on top of Castile and is aroused by his presence. He awakens but doesn't seem like himself 
he brings Poppy to climax and Kieran misinterprets her cries of pleasure as her being harmed. And so he storms in and Castile, still not fully himself, squares off, ready to attack Kieran. Poppy is able to use her gift to bring Castile back to himself and Cass, afraid that he's harmed Poppy or forced himself on her, walks away in shame. Kieran explains to Poppy that Castile requires blood for sustenance. And when an Atlantean goes for too long without, it can lead to a madness, which is why Cass didn't seem like himself. He hasn't reached the point of madness yet, but he needs to feed. And so Kieran also reveals that when an Atlantean has formed an attachment with someone, they prefer not to take blood from anyone else, which he speculates is why Cass has not fed recently because of his attachment to Poppy. And then finally, Kieran, who's full of revelations at this time, also reveals that he believes Cass and Poppy are heartmates, though he doesn't really elaborate on what that is or what it means. Poppy confronts Castile about feeding from her, and he concedes, provided that Kieran is present to ensure that Cass doesn't harm her. He feeds, uh, which ends up being kind of an arousing process for Poppy. And then uh, Castile demonstrates his gratitude and appreciation for Poppy by giving her orgasms, which is just a really great way to demonstrate gratitude. At this point, it's obvious to seemingly everyone but Poppy, apparently, that Castile's feelings for her are stronger than just being with her to attain the freedom of his brother. And so he takes her around Spess's end and he teaches her to ride a horse and he introduces her to Kieran's sister, Vanetta. And while at her house, a young wolven, Beckett, is injured and Poppy uses her ability to take his pain away. However, Poppy's power, which has been changing, gives her the ability to completely heal the wolven. And it also makes her glow with a silver hue when she uses it. At a dinner with the Atlanteans, Poppy is able to feel the villagers' fear and hatred and anger towards her because of her role as the maiden in the past. And while Alistair counsels her that she mustn't let her feelings show, it then reveals that Cass was promised to marry another person when he returns home. Poppy's frustration and anger just builds and she feels betrayed all over again. And Cass is also angry because it's clear that Alistair is just trying to stir up trouble. Poppy has had enough. She defends herself against her claims that she's a servant of the Ascended, proclaims her affection for Cass, and then bails on dinner. And so Castile follows her and Poppy expresses her frustration with him and keeping things from her. But they're interrupted by Emil, a fellow Atlantean who notifies them that the sky is on fire. They learn that the Ascended are coming for Poppy and are burning everything in their path on the way to Spess's end. And so they make a plan for the confrontation that is coming. Castile sends Kieran and Alistair through the Skotos Mountains to bring back additional support as quickly as possible. And so while waiting for the Ascended to arrive... Castile and Poppy pick up where they left up in their in their conversation, and she reveals that she loves Cass um, and has for some time. And they decide to marry shortly thereafter before the Ascended arrive. And so at their wedding, when they've exchanged rings, day turns to night in a very powerful omen of approval from the gods. They later consummate their marriage by sharing their blood with each other, deepening their bond. And then that evening, the Ascended arrive with Jacinda Tierman leading the way, demanding that if they hand over the maiden, they can avoid confrontation entirely. 
Castile declines, and the Ascended release a volley of the severed heads of the villagers from New Haven who were making their way to Spess's End, Castile's people and friends. Thus starts the Great Battle. Though outnumbered, Castile, Poppy, and the Atlanteans do a fair job of defending themselves until a second, larger group of Ascended arrive. However, Wolven and Atlantean backup arrive just in time, and, this, and they slaughter the Ascended who remain. Poppy finds Jacinda's carriage and destroys her. After the battle, Poppy tends to those who are injured and heals those who will allow it. And then the next day, a small party make their way through the Scotes Mountains, which are enshrouded in a magical mist. So they split off into small groups with Poppy traveling with Castile and Kieran. And Poppy gets really weird vibes from the mist. It seems to interact with her. When they camp that night, her dreams are very vivid and new details, which she had repressed before from her nightmare where her parents are killed, are revealed. In the dream, she follows her father. But the dream changes when a strange woman appears and demands that she stop. So she wakes with Castile's terrified expression as he drags her away from a cliff edge that she had apparently wandered to when it turns out that a goddess woke from her sleeping place in the mountains to keep Poppy from falling over the edge. The next day, they continue on out of the mountains further into Atlantia, where word of their impending arrival has spread. Poppy, feeling overwhelmed, goes to the chambers of Nyctos, escorted by Beckett, and she's enthralled by the temple, but quickly realizes that she's been betrayed when she is surrounded by Atlanteans, both mortal and immortal, who are armed and intent on harming her. So what will become of Poppy? Will she be able to defend herself and escape unscathed? Read the book or keep listening. This is your spoiler warning. We'll, we'll talk about all the spoilers from here on. Vicki, what did you think of this book? I loved it so, so much. It's <laughs> funny. It's action-packed. It's romantic. It's everything you could want in a book. <laughs> like This is one of my favorite books um, that I've read. It's just Poppy and Castile. They're such a great couple. As much as they deny it through the first, like, two-thirds of the book mm -hmm. uh their chemistry is amazing it's just it's perfect yeah. <laughs> what about you I really like it too they do have really great chemistry again their banter their flirting is one of my favorite parts in this story they're just so great and I enjoyed it a lot even reading it the second time like I still couldn't put it down <laughs> <laughs> so this was actually my third read of it and I had decided I was gonna I was like okay I can start reading it on Wednesday and I'll read 33% 33% and then 33% each night. yeah that didn't happen I read 33% the first night and then I finished it the second night <laughs> I was like well yeah there goes my sleeping plans yes so we talked about this in the last episode, the dimples. Every time that it came up in this book, I thought of you when <laughs> I mentioned his dimples. I was like, Marissa, <laughs> yeah, I bet she's loving this. Yeah. I did a word search for dimples for, or dimple dimples for it from Blood and Ash and from this book. And they're mentioned 28 times in From Blood and Ash and 
48 times or 40 times in kingdom of flesh and fire. So, I mean, truly they must be just remarkable dimples. <laughs> so this book starts off just really intense to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> like, so he announces they're going to get married. Right. And Poppy's like, no, screw, like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it becomes a thing. And then there's somebody who basically kind of like agrees with Poppy, but is a jerk about it. And I think he yeah. insults Poppy and makes her he flinch. Calls, yes. He calls her a scar faced bitch. That's right. And Castile rips his heart out. Yes. I love it. Ah. <laughs> I love that he is such a strong defender of Poppy, especially because she's had like her entire life, almost no one to stand up or defend her. And then uh-huh. along comes Castile and he's like, I'm going to rip out people's hearts for you. Yes. Like, yes. That's the type of man you need. That's right. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, he like plunks it down in front of her too. It's like, I got this for you. Yes. this thing it reminds me of like when your cats um like kill animals and leave them on your front porch <laughs> i did this thing for you because they're concerned about you being a bad protect <laughs> not knowing how to hunt so something interesting that happens throughout this book are the wolven's reactions to poppy right so she emits shocks I guess kind of <laughs> to the woman she smells old um, I love when uh Karen says she's, she's he's like you smell like death and she goes well if I do that's not my fault <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's great I like um, that yeah um but his sister says she smells old Castile says she tastes old yeah. Right, like her blood tastes old. Um, all, all very interesting. It very is strange. interesting. The tasting old, so they're they're very descriptive about like flavors and scents and things in this book. I wonder what something, like, what is the taste of something old? Is it like vintage? Is it like wine? Does it taste like it has history? I wonder what that flavoring is. Yeah, I don't know. When I think it's funny when Vanetta is talking, like she agrees with Kieran about Poppy smelling old, but she says it's not like mothballs and peppermint candy. (laughs) I thought that was funny because when I think of things that smell old, I do think of mothballs. Mm -hmm. That sort of like stuffy. Yeah. Like musty, dusty, old room, like closed off rooms. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I smell too. Or if somebody says you smell like death, which is how Kieran first said it, I thought of like hospitals and uh, retire not retirement home, like um, long-term care facilities. Oh, that. I guess I think more of illness when that remind when I think of long-term care facilities. Hmm. When I think of death, and maybe that's just like maybe this is just the southerner part of me when I think of death I usually think of like a rotten animal <laughs> like roadkill like a dog has dragged something up in our yard <laughs> uh something else that happens with Poppy's power in uh, it starts in New Haven and then they notice it in Spess's Inn is that she calls to the Wolven so when she gets locked in Hawk or Castile's room and she's super bored and rage pacing. She, 
or Delano is guarding her at that time. And he busts in her room because it sounds like he heard her screaming for help or for screaming for something. And she wasn't. But then that comes up later when they have the battle with the Ascended at Spessus End. And Kieran says it sounded, he could hear Poppy calling for him, but all of the Wolven could hear her calling for them. So that's another little different differentiation in the manifestation of her powers. There's all these little things that start happening with her powers in this book. So the, the electrical shocks, the calling for the woven, which I think is interesting because I want to, we'll come back to that. Uh, the calling for the woven, but also the change in her power. So it started off with her just being able to take people's pain away to connect with their their emotions and take away the painful feelings. And then it progressed to now she can heal people and she glows silver when she does that. And then um, Castile has a bunch of theories about it. You know, she's getting closer to the culling age, right? She's almost right. 19. He's given her blood and he says like the blood that he's given her always stays in. So it could be his blood making her more powerful. Yeah. Um, it could also be what we learned at the very end, that she is a descendant of the gods. Yes, yeah, she is an heir to Nyctos. Yes. Now, talking about the Wolven and her calling them, how did you interpret everything that happened at the end of the book? Because I interpreted it all very aggressively towards Poppy. I think initially, when I read the book, I interpreted it as them... Uh, it almost read to me it read like they were kind of show like bowing or not I don't know I don't think that wolves can kneel but what's his name Castile definitely like he uh, like unsheaths his what his swords and like does this kneeling thing too so that's definitely like a like a bowing type of motion like an, and so I don't know wait so you interpreted it as did your inter interpretation change from the first time you read it to second, third? So the first time I read it, I read it very concerned that the Wolven were about to attack her, that Castile, because she says something like, he looks at her with like understanding and wariness or something. I was like, the next book is going to start and it's going to be like, their relationship is going to change. That was what I was most worried about. I remember right. you saying that. I remember your concern. I was so concerned about um, their relationship changing mm -hmm. because of this. So then when I read it a second time, I felt a little bit better about the Wolven because yeah. in, in that I noticed that like, it did seem like more like they were protecting her because mm -hmm. like when um, Castile comes close to her, that's when they start being like, you know? and <laughs> should we talk about everything that happens in that scene since we're already talking about part of it right now yeah might as well so well. I'll go because I love this so much this whole section this whole hit cliffhanger that's kept me up at night so she gets herself you know let out there by Beckett and then these asshole Atlanteans start stoning her Mm -hmm. and calling her like a whore and stuff like that 
and she I love it she loses it mm -hmm. and kills them all like she takes in all of their anger and their hate and then projects it back onto them and they like she's like they choked on their anger and their contempt and I was like yes kill them yes. Poppy yes <laughs> get them do <Yes>. it <laughs> <laughs> and that's when all the woven and they're like everyone appears right yeah and then they're all there and Castile's mother says what have you done what have you brought back which that's rude uh, yes it is so rude yes and Alistair says <sighs> yep he says it's not too late what mm -hmm. and then the queen says yes it is and throws her crown and says bow to the um descendant of the gods or whatever yeah 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 um so that was an infuriating scene for me because of the people stoning her, but oh, I loved it when she killed them all. I know, it was so great. Like she makes this guy bleed or something, right? Yes. Talking guy. about how everyone wearing white comes in and their clothes are stained pink. Oh, yes, girl. Mm -hmm. I got, I was so mad. Like yeah. Pop, Poppy can do, she can't do anything. So like it's never going to be enough. She know. said she heals Beckett. He would have been. She heals Beckett. She paralyzed people's yeah. pain despite them like calling her a starface bitch and being hateful to her and projecting their fear and anger onto her like she takes their pain away she does whatever she can to help them she jumps in and defends them when the ascended show up she tries to save their children she carves the name of the dead child or somebody into their memorial wall she repeatedly explains her side of the story and she's not given them besides stabbing Castile several times she's not really done anything to make them treat her this way other than exist and none of it's enough and then she like the, the revenge when they oh it's just it's so it's such a gratifying it's such a rewarding <laughs> chapter when she unleashes hell on them I love it Yes, especially because right before they like look at her and look at her eyes and say, oh my God, forgive us. And she's like, no, well, she doesn't say no. Okay. But like, yeah, but that's yeah. basically what I hear my no, <laughs> dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a great scene. And even leading up to it that, but so what kind of hurt me in that other than, you know, the fact that she was freaking stoned. Mm -hmm. Um, well, she was admiring the view, right? And she, there's this beautiful description about the ocean and um, I guess sort of the beach. You can see the coral and she's feeling like content. Yeah. You know, and she's feeling kind of hopeful. And then she turns around and these people are like, we're going to kill you. We're mm -hmm. going to stone you to death. Yeah. And like, she's been betrayed by Beckett, this stupid kid who she healed, like, he would be paralyzed and probably dead without her. She healed him. No appreciation. Betrays her, leaves her to these people to be stoned. Like, really, Beckett? So the first time I read this, I remember thinking, Alistair's really sketchy, super suspicious. There's definitely something going on here. And then I read it the second time and felt the same way. Did you feel that way when you read it the first time? Did you get, like, suspicious vibes from him do you remember yes when I first read it I did get those vibes but I denied it I was oh. like no he's gonna be great because she keeps comparing him to Victor right and but I did I got those 
those vibes off of him, even at the start when he's like, oh, you know, if you um, need to escape, I'll help you escape. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, there's something there. But like when I first read it, I was like, no, he's just being nice. And then we know he yeah. is definitely, he definitely stirs the pot because he brings up definitely the pot. Yep. He brings up the joining. Mm-hmm. He brings up that Cass is promised to another. Mm-hmm. He brings up that Cass is in love with Shay, mm-hmm. right? He brings up all the stuff that he knows is going to cause problems mm-hmm. in their relationship. He's trying. And then he obviously, you know, t- tries to talk them out of getting married mm-hmm. for the king and queen. And then, of course, what he says at the end, it's not too late. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Super suspicious. So, so there are a lot of theories about him. Um that he's actually maybe the one who's scarred yes so i was so thinking that because his voice sounds so familiar to you and a lot of times when they she talks about his voice there's often this can like she's had a nightmare or something there's this connection to her nightmare and his voice be like reminding her of victor and sounding super familiar i think he was involved or was present when her parents were killed I agree. So it's mentioned. So we find out that he helps sneak people out of Solus, mm-hmm. right, to Atlantia. So I think that her parents were maybe seeking refuge. Mm-hmm. And he was the one maybe they turned to and he betrayed them because of like, he knew what Poppy was and like what yes. they were. That's what I think happened. Same. I don't yeah. think that's what happened. Yes, I think that happened too. He's definitely, I mean, he has to be involved some in some way, especially because her dreams have started to change now. Mm-hmm. Um, but not necessarily, I don't know if it's necessarily an association with his appearance, but definitely by the time she, when she gets to New Haven, that's when the dreams start to change. And she has that, that little rhyme that pops up that see a pretty poppy, make it bleed. It's not so pretty anymore. Um, yeah i i yes by the way that gave me chills what a pretty little flower what a pretty poppy pick it and watch it bleed not so pretty any longer poppy mm-hmm. when i read the first time oh gave me chills because that is creepy yeah um i mean i love creepy so it was great but <laughs> i i definitely think alistair is 100 percent involved mm-hmm. in what happened when her parents died and all that night went down i guess we should go ahead and break down our theories about poppy's lineage then there's so much of this it's very yeah all right so let's preface this with at the battle at the ascendant where the ascended come to spess's end when poppy jumps into jacinda's carriage Jacinda is super pleased to find out that Poppy's married because that was like the intent for the queen apparently all along was to get Poppy to Atlantia so she could, I don't know, ascend the throne or something. Um, and so Jacinda's super pleased with this. And she says, if I had known this, we wouldn't have had to do all this battling. Yeah. So she says, the queen will be thrilled to learn that you've done what she could never accomplish. Sees Atlantia right out from under them, under her. Our queen will be so, and then it cuts off. So... Hmm. That's an interesting, interesting statement. Obviously, it implies that there's some bad blood between the queen of the Ascended, Ileana, and the queen of the Atlanteans, Eloana. So that's interesting. 
So we know from the Duchess that Poppy is the Queen's granddaughter. Yes. Her mother was the Queen's daughter. Now, we think there's another, because there was another maiden, so mm-hmm. we think there was another granddaughter somewhere. Um, the theory, it, our, our theory, I think, right, is that uh, Malik, right, and Isbeth had a child or two or whatever, however many, before she was changed into the first vampire. And then that child is Ileana. And then Ileana gave birth to, because then she would be able to give birth because she is a child of a mortal and an, well, a god. Yes. And so I'm just wondering, because that's the degree of separation from a god and Poppy isn't that far. She's like, what, the great granddaughter of a god? Yeah. Is that what, that makes her? Yes. Right? I wonder yeah. how powerful she's going to be after the cult, like the calling and everything, because that's not far Mm-mm. off from, you know, being like the relationship. Right. You know, it's not like she's the great, 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 whatever. Yes. Um, yeah. So I wonder if that's what it is. That also means that Poppy's mother put was probably like hundreds of years old too so Mm -hmm. in my head i'm wondering if because the queen allowed poppy's mother cora we'll call her cora because that's what she's like Coraline or something yeah um so allowed cora to leave with um her father right she allowed her she said not to ascend right yes but see then that wouldn't make sense because we know if she's saying she allowed her not to ascend, but to leave rather, mm-hmm. then how would Poppy's mother be like hundreds of years old in order for this time well, to work out? I mean, so if Isbeth and Malik are Ileana's parents, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily like Ileana could have had a child, which would have been the first maiden, and then not had a child for a long time because mm-hmm. she is quite, like she's perceived to be well, no, but she's ascended. Uh, or not ascended, but she's not an ascended. Uh, she would have to be like lying about her relationship to her children for the public, right? Which I think she. I. I mean, clearly she is. I mean, also, yes. but she mm-hmm. could have ha- like there could have been a long time stance, bet- like time distance between when she had the first her first child, the the maiden, and the second, which would be Cora. Um. Poppy's mom. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she could have gone like hundreds of years and not, not had kids. That's true. So that could be, and it could, I, they, if she's lying about that, her quote unquote, not ascending, and um, if she's lying about that, then that she wouldn't, there wouldn't be anything to ascend because she's like an Atlantean. Let me, can I or go? God, so. That would just be like a lie for keeping up appearances, basically. Doesn't the Duchess say something about we never said the Queen wasn't ascended? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that again makes you think. Do we know what happened with Isbeth? We know that Malik was killed, but we don't know what happened with Isbeth. We don't know he was killed. I went back, remember, or I, I went back and I read it. They disappeared. 
they just up and disappeared oh the theory is like some people think that like oh he died in battle right that's like the prevailing theory but the truth is nobody knows that he and um Isbeth just disappeared well that seems like a really big loose end <laughs> right in atlantean history so, <laughs> so where are they so then my other theory right my thought was oh maybe they're the current like maybe they're the current king and queen right, right. there's a lot of theories there are so many theories can't answer any of these questions until <laughs> the next book comes out there are gonna be six books they're probably awesome. won't always they probably won't all be answered in the next one it's gonna drive no, me crazy all right where do we want to go from here <laughs> um I don't know. We we had been talking about Alistair, so let's kind of go back to something that Alistair said. Um, the joining. <laughs> I think it's hysterical how like obsessed Poppy ends up with the joining. Yes. <laughs> like she asks everyone about it. Uh-huh. Is it now? Is the time is this it? <laughs> so funny to me. So do you think we'll get you think we're in for a, a menage between Poppy Cass and Kieran in the next book? I think so. I would be down for it. I, I would that. also be down for that. <laughs> um, Poppy repeatedly says like she can't see you doing that with Kieran, you know, but maybe she's in denial because mm-hmm. Kieran sounds attractive. How could you not see yourself doing that with him? Maybe. Maybe she just needs to toss it around a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it all develops after, especially because now the Wolven have some bond with her. Yeah, how Karen's feelings might change towards her that way. Mm-hmm. The other thing that Alistair says that really stirs the pot is he brings up Shay. Oh, and then he brings up that he's promised to another, which turns out to be like what his great niece or something. Yeah. Like, there's obvious he's obviously very sketchy and he brings this up to of course cause problems between Castile and Poppy and then they have that big fight right afterwards so so it's kind of a good thing that he brought Mm -hmm. it up where Poppy finally tells him like her feelings and everything like because he shows up to be like I came to find out whether or not those feelings were true and she's like well why don't you find like comfort in someone else's bed and he goes how could you say that yeah because how is it not obvious to her that he is madly in love with her I I don't know I think she ignores a lot a lot of signs yes well so this okay say what you say and then I have a thing to say so and I there's so much that Castile says and does that demonstrate affection. And I think he doesn't share everything with Poppy in part just to protect himself because he seems kind of unsure about what her feelings are. And that's fair because she's not very open or into sharing her feelings. And so he's not super open with her, but she's also not super open with him. And I get why he betrayed her a couple of like a, in a in a really major way he betrayed her and it would be hard to trust someone with your heart when they've betrayed you that way and also she feels like she is betraying and feels guilty about 
loving him when all of the people, Victor and Rylan and uh, like there have been so many deaths as a consequence of Castile and his actions and his supporters. And so she feels bad about that too. And so I get, I get why there are things holding her back, but he just does, he does so much and says so many things that are so affectionate and kind. And it's like, she ignores it or, or maybe just doesn't trust it. It's so frustrating, especially when she's mean to him. <laughs> I love when she's mean to him, even though <laughs> I love it. I know. But this is why the whole, well, let's just pretend I'm Hawk and you're Poppy thing. Why I thought that was incredibly problematic from the start. I mean, I am not mad at it because, oof, some of the scenes we got from that yes, were, they were great. Hot. So mm-hmm. I am all for that as a plot point. Yes, great. But <laughs> um, not a great idea because, you know, her feelings are already very blurred mm-hmm. i think castile knows how he feels about poppy pretty much at this yeah. point. at this point he knows um and then when so first off they're pretending to be in love with each other in front of people mm-hmm. right and then they're also pretending on the side uh, like, that he's still hawk so we've got these like it's confusing then mm-hmm. like and especially confusing for poppy and her emotions because what he's saying as Castile, she thinks are is all pretend. So at some point he announces that he like fear like fiercely loves her, and she says, "Well, you're so you're like you're really good at pretending." And he says, "Apparently not good enough," or something like that. Um, because she still doesn't believe him, and because Alistair still doesn't believe him. Yeah. So she never knows then because of all of this pretending that's happening. Right. That's what he says is true or not. Yeah, that to the mix that he did betray her. So she already doesn't trust what he says. Now he's pretending to be in. Very confusing situation, especially when your feelings are murky to begin with. <laughs> oh, I love Kieran. I hope we get a book for or about him or from his perspective or including him. Me too. He's so great. I love his relationship with poppy too she always has questions and she goes i have a question he goes of course you do no one is shocked by that yeah no one's shocked it's great there's this great quote where um she says like oh you must be really bored basically on babysitting duty and he's like well no it's an honor to guard what castile finds to be most important and also i never know what you're gonna do so it's never boring except when you're sleeping yeah and i like that I do too. He's so, he's just so like dry and mm-hmm. snarky. I appreciate that. Yes. Great. Yes. He's the surreal. Karen is the surreal <laughs> in this book. Okay. He really is. Cause he's like, you know what heartmates are? I think you're heartmates. Feeling <laughs> all of this stuff. <laughs> he's like, you know, he needs to feed. You know why he hasn't fed? It's because he likes you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he's just dropping truth bombs everywhere. <laughs> I love how violent Poppy is. Yeah, she's pretty grand. Like the way she kills Jacinda, right? Oh my and- gosh. I love, let's talk about that for a second. 
when she kills Jacinda, first of all, she pops into Jacinda's car- carriage like, what's up? Get ready to die. And Jacinda is so shocked at Poppy's violence, which blows me away. Like she was present when Poppy destroyed Lord Mazim. Like she hacked him to death. Jacinda was present for that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, does it get more violent than that? I don't think so. And she's like so shocked at Poppy popping into her carriage covered in gore. I'm like, okay, Jacinda. But yeah. And then just, or she kills Jacinda and it's super, super gratifying. It is. That's, it's, that's a great scene. It's <laughs> funny. Then they have sex in the carriage. Yes, they do. So what do you think of battleground sex? It sounds uh, not appealing to me. There's blood, there's dirt. In this case, they're the ashes of the ascended. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess at least they're in a carriage. Right, yeah. So there's that sure. level of protection. Right. But they're sweaty and they're bloody. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I guess you go with the adrenaline of it. Right. But, you know, in a perfect situation, everyone would have taken a bath and been like, hey, remember <laughs> when I killed that bitch in the carriage? Be like, yeah. <laughs> Best sex of my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> What is this gritty stuff on my hand? Oh, <laughs> it's just in the right. <laughs> Do we want to talk a little bit about some of the sex scenes in this? Let's talk about sex. Good. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about, uh, I was going to say my favorite, but <laughs> I can't pick. One of my favorites is going to be their uh, cavern sex when she says, when she says like, um, only if you're Castile and I'm Poppy. And he's like, truly with knowing everything that I've done as Castile. And she says, yes, because that's such a huge turning point. And I love that because I love Kiss. (laughs) That was good. And then they fuck. Like it's literally described as like, and then he fucked me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was good. It's great. It was great. So he gives her, or like he fingers her and brings her to orgasm that way, but she's kind of like writhing against him. So like he comes too and he comes in his pants. And his reaction towards it is like, well, that's kind of embarrassing and like blushes a little bit, but laughs at himself. And I love Castile just being so, I guess, non toxic. Yeah. You know, he empowers Poppy to be a badass with, Mm -hmm. you know, a blade and stuff. He's just, he's great. And when he does something kind of, I guess he's embarrassed by it. And he just laughs it off. Right. Great. I mean, I think some of my favorites of the, the intimate scenes in this book are the ones that don't feature like penis and vagina penetration like that one. Who is still super hot? It's right after they've fed or he's fed from her, which is uh, ends up being like a an orgasmic experience. Um, and then the scene that they have in the pantry where where they are pretending. Um, and it's uh, I mean it's it's still like super sexy. 
um, like there's just this descriptive description of like his erection pressing into her and this grinding and it's like again the four I just I really appreciate scenes that have foreplay <laughs> I mean that are not just I appreciate the the creation of intimacy the creation of um, that the sexual experience without limiting it to just penis and vagina penetration because yes intimacy could, it is and can be so much more than that and I feel like we get skewed into based on like what we see with tv and movies we it gets skewed to being just that type of penetration when there's so much more to it really I mean like just making out with someone you know that happens doesn't always lead to sex right yeah. even if it's somebody you're in a relationship with you can just yeah. out with them and then you go to just bed. Make out with someone. Yeah. You don't have to have sex, just have sex to be intimate with your partner. It can be so much more. And so I appreciate yes. these books for exploring scenes like that. Like even the last book in the Blood Forest. Um, and it's that, you know, reciprocation is important, but there, there are times when Castile makes it more about Poppy than focusing on himself. And I appreciate that too. Yes. I know her scenes so actually the whole reason I like that like cavern scene is more because of and not necessarily the sex in it which I mean you know it was great but right. that moment right before where they have that verbal interaction and they're vulnerable and oh, I love that yeah so yeah the scenes the intimacy scenes you know what it is they're actually like intimate I guess yeah. a lot of times we read books and I mean, the scenes are hot and stuff and, but they're not like, you don't feel the intimate connection between the right. characters mm -hmm. and you really get that in this book. Yes. In these books. In depth. You, yeah. you can feel the depth of their emotions, even though in some of these scenes, they're not being honest about their feelings with each mm -hmm. other. And I, I feel like cavern sex sounds super fun. It sounded really pretty. Yeah. It sounds like a nice like, scenic public, not semi, semi-private in my public place to have sex <laughs> you get that like little bit of you get the privacy along with the public I love that Karen brings that good change of clothes yes. and towel <laughs> that's great there's also that one again it's just like this sweet moment where he's like he wants to cuddle yeah right? And she says yes, and he pauses, and he was like, "I didn't think you'd say yes." No, like, oh, cuddle him. This is sweet. <laughs> Love this poor man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just be nice to our boy. You liked the way that they talk about like flavor, Poppy's, um, the feelings that she perceives and and their flavors. Yes. Oh, where is that? Because I wrote down every single one that I found. Oh, here it is. All right. So Poppy, let me just kind of, Poppy very clearly gets like distinct taste from the emotions that she feels. Like amusement is sugar. Sincerity is warm vanilla. Confusion is iced lemonade. Sour and tart fruit is surprise. Dismay is curdled milk love is chocolate and cherries 
I, I there's something about that that I absolutely love that she puts foods to emotions. Mm -hmm. I just think that's great and that they have all these flavors because it's just a cool I, I just think it's cool and I love that of course love is chocolate and cherries yeah I think that's great mm -hmm. and it's I can really, sorry go ahead oh, sorry, sorry. I think it's um connecting it with something like that I think helps the reader connect with the the things that Poppy's feeling as well that's a good way to draw the reader into uh, or connecting with the character and her experiences because we know what those things taste like and you can say okay if this is like you know what those feelings are that taste is. and I could see how all of those feelings would taste like that because amusement yeah that's kind of like light right mm -hmm. you feel light when you're like amused by something sugar you know surprise I could see that being like sour and tart it's like oh I, like it's amazing like she came up with these flavors that actually do match like I could very easily see these matching emotions as flavors, you know? Yeah. Like if she put amusement as curdled milk. Right. No, That's but she put, dive. right. But amusement is sure. I was like, yeah, I can totally see that, you know? Uh, let's talk about their wedding. Yes. I love their wedding. I did too. I really enjoyed it. The descriptors of her dress. It sounded gorgeous. And the ceremony and Jasper's role in it. And I loved the description of the imprint that pops up on their palm after they after they like sealed their vows or whatever. Me too. I made I had a note about that, but you you took it away from me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I I love that so much. That idea of having it. But like she says, what a like crappy way to find out somebody's died. For sure. Right? yeah you look down like oh shit <laughs> guess I'm a widow <laughs> uh, but yeah I love it I love um that she thinks like oh you know my wound won't heal or anything but it does and he's just like it's magic it's magic like, <laughs> yeah there I thought the ceremony was I love that it was short yeah right that's how that they should great. be Mm-hmm. Love a short wedding ceremony. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's just beautiful the way it was described. And like the the ceremonial part of it, like putting the stacking the rings and putting it in dirt. Yes. Cut, like dribbling the the their combined blood over it. It was the imagery in that scene was really uh vivid and I enjoyed the descriptions. And the omen. Yes. Let's talk about this is the second omen we've seen now. With yeah. Poppy in this book, we have where her we had the tree that popped up, right? The blood tree, the blood tree, and now we have the sky goes black, like night falls upon them. Yeah, day turns to night, day turns to night, and that was great. And everyone's shocked, and I don't understand how, like, everyone's there for this, and they're like, oh, shocked by this. And it is clearly a blessing from the gods, right? Everyone's like, oh, this is great, it's a blessing, right? Yeah, like. And they even say it hasn't been that, that hasn't happened in hundreds of years, right? It hasn't happened in centuries. So, and then they're like, we're still going to stone you. Yeah, let's kill Poppy. It reminds me of like, so in Mean Girls, when Gretchen loses it, about like 
Everyone should just stab Caesar. I love that. Everyone should just stone Poppy. <laughs> yeah. I really I wish at this point, I wish that we had gotten some chapters from Castile's perspective. His inner thoughts, I think, would be really interesting, not just in terms of like knowing his feelings about Poppy, but particularly in regards to the omens, because it seems like Castile is operating with a little bit of denial in terms of recognizing the way that his people feel and will accept Poppy. Like they're all and recognizing her power. So there's like lots of speculation about maybe what she would be. It's obvious that she's got a little bit of something extra though, because her powers have evolved. She can heal people. That's a unique gift. She glows. That's a unique gift. She shocks everyone that she touches. That's an indicator for something. We've now had two really significant omens pop up in relation to Poppy. Like there has to be things going through his mind, making him say, okay, what does all of this mean? Yes, I I agree. I would have loved a couple chapters from his point of view because um, he also has more knowledge of the gods and of omens and stuff like that. So I feel like he would think through it more than we get from Poppy, whereas Poppy just knows what she's told. Right. Right. So he would be able to like, like in his mind, I would assume if we had a thing, he would be like, he would think more about the history of it. Right. And other marriages and stuff that have been blessed and all that other unions. Um, yeah. Especially when she starts also, um, because he's definitely in denial about like his parents and yeah um, oh no his people he's like i'm nervous about meeting your parents and i don't think your people are gonna accept me and he's like oh don't be nervous don't worry about it you're married to me it'll be fine it kind of pissed me off like i was kind of angry at him for not validating her concerns i think he was scared to validate her concerns because it would also validate his concerns right but I agree. He should have, yeah, they should have had more of a talk about it. And if we had something from Castile's perspective, we would have had, I think we probably would have viewed also his actions a little bit differently in the, um, that case, because he also has more intimate knowledge of his parents. Yeah. That he clearly is so like confident, you know, mm-hmm. so maybe there would be a story. He'd be like, oh, I remember when I brought home like a dog and they, I'm not comparing Poppy to a dog. I'm not doing it. Never mind. <laughs> I will not compare her to a dog. Look at this thing I brought home, guys. Right. You're going to love it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our quotes. Boy, do I have a lot. <laughs> We're just going to start out with one from Poppy and one from Castile, just so that, you know, this is why they're so awesome. Poppy says, or thanks, he disarmed me first, but I made him bleed. Yes, Poppy. And Castile, this is actually from the same scene uh, when they have to start killing the craven. He says, make me feel incompetent and kill more than me, princess. Yes, Castile with his non-toxic masculinity again. They have such a playful relationship. I really enjoy it. They do. I, I love it. And this one's a little bit more serious 
Yes. But it's something that we've seen come up a lot in fantasy books. Um, he was both the villain and the hero, the monster and the monster slayer. So I feel like we see a lot of this sort of stuff in fantasy books where it's hard to dif differentiate between villain and hero. Mm -hmm. um, and that really, it's like, you know, just the opposite side of the coin, the duality of man kind of thing. Um, so something common. And, oh boy. Um, then I have, as far as being a distracted Castile, that's his weakness, not mine. I yes, loved that. Love it, love it, love it. Because they're trying to send her away and they're like, you'll distract him. And she's like, well, that's his problem. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Yes, Poppy's so empowered. When they're, when they are making their way to Spess's End and they have to go through the forest and they get confronted by the Dead Bones tribe, the guy is like, what kind of bitch are you? And she says, I'm this kind of bitch. And then she like stabs him in the throat and he dies and blood splatters on her face. It's such an empowering moment and I love it. They have an interaction. Poppy and Castile have an interaction that I really enjoyed. So Poppy says to Castile, I don't belong to anyone but myself. Nothing changes that. And Castile says, what if I just wanted a piece of you? A tiny piece that belonged to me. Tell me what piece of you I can have can be any piece of your choosing whatever it is I'll take it it will be my most prized possession I love that it's so romantic and sweet and this is before he's like declared they've declared any feelings for each other I think they're on their way to Spess's end when they have this interaction and so when he says things like this I, I just want to say like Poppy how do you not know how how do you not know how he feels for you but I love that it's so it's just so sweet it is that was I liked it that too <laughs> <laughs> what are your final thoughts on this book oh man this book I just the series is amazing it's so worth the read I think the second the one that we just read is like over 700 pages long it, worth it worth every page I didn't want it to end I wanted to stay in the world mm -hmm. you know fantastic world building fantastic characters and the third one comes out uh for us it's three days but for if you're listening it's today um so April 20th for April 20th the, the date is April 20th I'm sorry yes the date is April 20th <laughs> a crown of gilded bones get it I'm sure it's amazing uh we've been waiting for months mm -hmm. dying to read it yes and that's what we'll be talking about next week so yes so definitely read it so you can be prepared for right yeah this <laughs> the next one probably just be fangirling for 60 minutes or three hours yeah yeah so join us next week a crown of gilded bones by Jennifer L. Armentrout we're excited yes Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.